one. And I have, over the last few weeks, because I knew we were going into John, we've been reading John and um, studying it and, and all the rest of it. And in the last couple of weeks, as I've been getting ready for this morning, I've been um, pretty just loving John 1. I've utterly blown away by John 1. I keep like reading it and then there's more and then there's more and then there's more. It is, it's, it's incredible and it's incredibly well written. Uh, I am impressed with John's penmanship here. Um, but let me read from John 1. It says this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things are made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So good. Children born out of natural descent, sorry, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who, who, is, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. These are incredibly powerful, beautiful uh, words that, that are spoken to us. These words are familiar. I'm sure many of you know them, and they are incredible. In just 18 verses, John skillfully deals with like all the big topics of Jesus. He deals with the divinity, like God, Jesus is uh, Jesus being God. He deals with the divinity. He deals with Jesus's humanity, his pre-existence, his coexistence, and his self-existence. He deals with the incarnation. He deals with revelation and sacrifice. I'm just glad I managed to pronounce all of those words. Um, in fact, our understanding of who Jesus is, our Christology, if you like, comes from these verses. These verses are radical and powerful in their description of who Jesus is. This part, this part of the book of John is what we call the prologue. And the prologue is the, uh, the book before the book begins, if you like. It's the book that sets the scene. Um, it's written by the author, and it's like the lens or the filter that the author wants you to use in order to kind of understand the rest of the text. 
So John is giving us a very clear picture of who Jesus is, and so that when we read the rest of the gospel, we are under no illusion at all as to who and what John is writing about. John is telling us this is who Jesus is, and I'm just going to tell you now, just in case, a bit of a spoiler alert, that Jesus is God. You could actually write Jesus is God at the beginning of all of your chapters in John, because that is the filter that he wants you to read that through. As Barney said last week, the Gospel of John isn't like the other Gospels. Um, John had one thing on his mind. He wants you to know who Jesus is. And although all the books in the New Testament want you to know who Jesus is, John's Gospel deals more with the supernatural elements of God rather than the history. So the other Gospels all effectively begin with the Christmas story. Yeah, I finally said the word. They begin with the Christmas story. Um, all of those Gospels, that, you know, that we get the manger and the shepherds and the angels and we get, we get the elements of the Christmas story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark and Luke. But in John, he doesn't begin with all those familiar words. But actually, John, in John 1, tells us the Christmas story, but he manages to do it in just four simple words. In verse 14, he says this in four words. The word became flesh. That is the essence of Christmas. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God <laughs> became flesh, that he stepped into humanity, and that's what we actually celebrate. Jesus became flesh. The infinite, the infinite became finite. The invisible became visible. The eternal entered time and space. And up until this point, God had not been represented in any kind of human form. Uh, we'd had occasions where we, people had seen God, so we just in Exodus, as we've been reading, we've had some theophanies, that's like God sort of showing up, the burning bush, you remember that story, we just did that quite recently, and when God passed through Moses, but Moses wasn't allowed to look, and, and all the rest, so we've had those moments, but here now, we are learning about the fact that Jesus is here on planet Earth. God is now communicating with us face to face. We also know, and I know that the news has been, you know, very dominated by, by the Queen's death this week, but we also know that we live in a broken world. And most times when we put the news on, we, we discover all sorts of brokenness. We don't need to look far to see brokenness or hopelessness or despair or destruction or fear or greed or manipulation. We don't have to look far to see lies or abuse of power. Not only are our news reports filled with all those sorts of things, but actually we hear those stories continually, our social media feeds and all sorts of stuff that begins to impact us. We're aware of the moral and personal failures of other, others, and it sits heavy on our hearts. And actually, we just don't make sense of it. I don't make sense of it very easily. And in contrast to that, there are all sorts of voices that tell us how to fix these problems. There are political activists. There are the celebrity endorsements. There are the countless self-help gurus. You can probably buy a book or do a look at a YouTube or a TikTok to tell you how to fix just about anything or sort anything out. But they're all just quick fixes. They recognize that there's a problem. They know there's a need for a solution, and they offer a quick fix. 
And it's into this context that God became man in order for us to have a relationship with him, not a good idea. A relationship which lasts not just a lifetime, but actually eternally. Not an idea which is on trend for five minutes and then relegated to the scrap heap along with all the other ideas that you tried to fix whatever problem it is that you're trying to fix. John begins this passage by introducing the word, the logos. And who or what is the logos? John uses it three times in the first verse. And John is brilliantly economical with his words. And he grabs the attention of both the Jew and the Greek in that opening sentence. He begins with, in the beginning. And any good Jew would know that, you know, Genesis begins with, in the beginning. This is like getting the attention of the Jews. He's paralleling, paralleling, is that the right word? Yeah, that one. With what happened at the beginning. I I just do it to entertain you. Um, What happened in Genesis, in the beginning. And here we go, a repeat of that, the echo of that, in the beginning. Every Jew is suddenly listening. And then he talks about the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word logos, which is used here, is an abstract concept. The Greeks understood it to mean, let me get this right, a cosmic creative force to do with the ordering of the intelligent mind and the universe. Essentially, that something created the universe. And the closest phrase that we probably have for it today is is intelligent design. And John nails it. He basically says that logos is not an idea It's not a concept, it's not an abstract concept. The Logos is a person, and the person is Jesus. And more than that, he demonstrates in these verses that Jesus existed before anything was made. That Jesus is not a created being. God did not create Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning. He always has been and always will be. And here we learn that Jesus was with God in the beginning, and through him, and through him, all things were made. And that in the word is the light of life, and that the light always shines, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. It also shows us that Jesus is actually divine. And that's different from acting divinely. Jesus isn't like God, because he is God. Therefore, whatever we can say about God, we can say about the word, about Jesus. The things that Jesus does are the things that God does. The Gospel of John cannot be read without understanding this. Every time we read the Gospel of John, we have to have that filter in place. Not only does John identify the word with God, he also shows us the relationship with the world. After all, Jesus created it. God created it. Nothing came into being without God creating it. And John is clear that whatever Jesus does, be it healing, be it speaking out forgiveness, being giving eternal life, all of it is an activity, it's a divine activity. This is not man at work, this is God at work, and we can't miss this. Jesus is fully God. We also know that Jesus is fully human. And as we study the Gospel of John, we will see that more and more. It will come out, we'll see the humanity of Jesus. So Jesus had feelings, didn't he? John 11 tells us that he wept. 
Uh, he ate food. You'll read that in John 12. And then when we think about the cross and we know the pain and the anguish that Jesus endured, John wants you to know that he's fully God and we also know that he is fully human. We also know that the darkness is hostile and it's against Jesus. But John tells us in these verses that the darkness cannot defeat, uh, defeat or overcome the world. There's an absolute assurance that any attempt of the darkness to overcome Jesus, that is not going to work. There was, you know, the, the cross is a place of attempted defeat. But of course we know that the cross is not defeated, but a place of glory. John the Baptist is bearing witness not to an idea or a vague hope, but a reality. And when he declares the true light is coming, then what is Jesus coming to? The world is not actually the created order of things. It's not the natural environment. It's a sphere of creation that lives in rebellion. The world is a sphere of creation that lives in rebellion. So when we read later in, in John about God's love for the world, you know, in John 3.16, that we can all quote, for God so loved the world, or when we read about Jesus' salvation of the world, which we'll, which we'll do in John 4, these aren't verses which are ringing endorsements of the world, but they are testimonies of the character of God and his love for us. Yes. Jesus didn't come into this world because it was good. He came because it was broken. We were broken. But through the obedience of Jesus, we've been restored to right relationship with God. And we have eternal life. When Jesus came into this world, whatever place we were in, when we came to know Jesus for the first time, he was dealing with all of our mess. He was dealing with all of our shame. He was dealing with all of the stuff that goes on. And Jesus turns our world the right way up, which I find incredible. Uh, today, if you have never experienced a real relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus, can I extend that invitation to you? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not even going to ask you to put your hands up. I'm going to be hanging around afterwards, and I would love to chat with you. If you've never understood that Jesus is fully God, fully human, but actually he's not a concept or a vague idea, but he is in fact a real person who wants to have a relationship with you. And please, would you just come and find me afterwards and I'd love to chat to you a little bit more to explain who Jesus is and help you to start a relationship with him. Can we just pray? And I'm going to hand back over to Tom. Tom's still here. Is he still here? Oh, he's gone. Because I think the only response that we can have to a message like this, that Jesus is God, that Jesus steps down into humanity, is to worship him. Father, I thank you that you uh, were at the beginning, <laughs> that you always were, that before anything began, you were. I thank you, Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you were all there at the beginning. I thank you that nothing was made in this world that you didn't authorise. I thank you for your love towards us. 
I thank you that you loved us so much that you would step down into humanity. You would become human in order to rescue us, in order to bring us into a genuine, real relationship, in order that we may not live in rebellion, but live in peace with you, in order that we may be saved. And Father, all we want to do is to worship you, to thank you for Jesus, to thank you for your incredible gift for us. Amen.